0: All right, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalms chapter 146, Psalm 146, and I'm going to read the whole chapter to you, amen? It's only 10 verses, so it's not like, you know, we'll be here all night or anything, but it is, we are going to read the whole chapter, Psalm 146, but even if it was alone, that's okay, right? We, we are in church, right? It's all right to read a lot of the Bible in church, correct? I heard a pastor say one time he was a youth pastor at the time, and he's actually the pastor took over his dad's church when his dad passed away. He said one time his dad got up and he just started reading through the Bible. He just started reading a bunch of, and they like he just read line after line, chapter after chapter, and they were like, "Pastor, what you doing?" He's like, "Y'all need to learn to read your Bibles. Y'all, y'all hadn't been read. We, the church needs to learn the Word of God. I'm just gonna read the Bible." I was just like, wow, that's that's pretty interesting, you know. So hey, if there's one place you should be reading the Bible it should be in church, right? And everywhere else, at your home, and at work, in your personal time, everywhere else. But especially at church, right? Psalm 146, amen. Psalm 146, beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord. That's a good command right there, huh? Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying dying breath. I'll be honest, when I read that again this morning, the first person I thought about was Brother Larry Segura. I began to think about, man, you know, not only that the Sunday before he went home to be with the Lord, saying, and I, I saw a lot of y'all have watched it and shared it, it that, that video on Facebook's already got over 4,000 views. It's a b- blessing. I was texting back and forth with Pastor Kelly yesterday and saying how much it blessed them. But even Pastor Kelly said, if some of y'all know about been at the funeral, but even like, I mean, just hours before he kept saying, God is so good to me. God is so good to me. So, amen. I pray that I am that man on my deathbed, that I'm still singing praises to the Lord. Amen. Verse 3, don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth and their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you do reign. You reign forever, Lord. You are the maker of the the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Lord, we know that you have created us, that we are your children. You have redeemed us, loved us, and we thank you Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we can, Lord, read your word, Lord, here in church, at our homes or anywhere we go. Lord, we thank you that we have the freedom to do that, that you've given us freedom through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, give us more of a hunger for your word and a thirst for your presence. Lord, help us tonight, Lord God, as we hear your word, help me as I speak your word. Lord God, I pray you would be glorified and we would be transformed through this process. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As I was reading this psalm recently, I thought about how relevant it is to the times that we're living in today, which all of the Bible is relevant for today, right? We know the scripture actually says that, that the Word of God is living and true and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's actively still working in our lives today. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, it's still actively Work and and, and, and still relevant. Going back to reading the Bible, there's some people that say, yeah, but you know what? And I've actually seen, and I'm not trying to get on a soapbox here, but I've seen and heard, I've actually read an article of a pastor that said that we need to be relevant and if we keep reading from a book that thousands of years old, we won't stay relevant. A pastor said that. And so I was like, okay, the Bible is very relevant and will continue to be. Jesus himself said, all the stuff we see is going to pass away, but this word of his will never pass away. So, but this particular psalm, as I was reading, I began to think about where we're at today in our society. The call to praise from the psalmist leads to a warning against folly and false confidence. The psalm concludes with a blessing for all who place their hope in the Lord. Tonight, I want to unpack this this psalm a little bit. And I want to talk about our true hope, our true hope. And I want to start out, I want to look at three key things out of this, out of this, uh, this chapter in the Bible. And I want to, I want to start by looking at verse three and four again. And this is the one that really popped out at me, uh, as I was reading this last week and as I continue to study it this week. Don't put your, verse three and four, don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When you're, when they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. The first thing I want to encourage you to do tonight is to guard yourself against false confidence. Guard against false confidence. I like how it says it, especially putting confidence in powerful people. You know, especially, you know, again, it's heightened. And I've talked about it a little bit last week. I actually wanted to, to, to preach this last week, and, and, and I didn't, I didn't get, have enough time to develop it out. But especially right now, some people especially i mean every every year or especially every election year people put their confidence in politicians or a certain political party i like how psalm 146:3 says this do not trust in nobles in man who cannot save you know, before I move forward and say, cannot save, you know, I thought, I think about that. People that have put in a lot of their trust and their hope in a certain politician or a candidate or a political party, you know, especially right now, a lot of their hopes are being dashed. A lot of their hopes are crumbling. And, and in a sense, that, in, in a sense, even though people are very discouraged, that's a good, that's a good thing because I like how it says it in this version. Don't put your trust in nobles, powerful people, you know, or people that that we look up to that have a lot of power, for they cannot save. Now, don't just look at that word as, because the word save and salvation, we obviously know it means salvation for our souls. But a lot of times when it says saved or salvation in the Bible, it, it could mean saved from sickness or illness or, or trouble or whatnot. And, and I just want to reiterate this. I believe this scripture reiterates this. There's not a politician or a political party that can save this country. Don't put your hope in a certain party, a certain, they, listen, now let me put a disclaimer. I'm not saying put your head in the sand and don't go vote and be a part of the system, the, the process. I'm encouraging you to do that. We have a freedom in this country to vote. That's great. Go vote. Do that. I, I encourage you to do that. But we can't put our hope in a powerful person or a party. Cause let me ask you a question. Let's do a little inventory. How's that worked out so far for us? Not working out too well, is it? I'm not just talking about this last two terms or even the term. There was different parties on both sides. and you. It, we're not in a good place, are we, in this country. There's not a person on this earth, a human being walking this earth, a political party, a faction, an organization that can save this country from the slump that we're going in. That's why the Bible encourages us not to put our confidence in powerful people. Because they're powerful in our eyes, but again, next to God, we're all peons, right? When it comes to power, correct? Maybe it's not politics, though. Others put their confidence in maybe a, a specific company, a business that are run by powerful men and people. You know, listen... It don't matter how good of a job you've had over the years, maybe with great salary, great benefits, have or maybe had in this, in, this, in this state we're in, great benefits, great pension plan, great retirement, you know, all kind of stuff. It's still run by powerful people and powerful men. And if you put all of your hope or your confidence in this business and your retirement, and I've put so many years in, that's not good. Those things can crumble as we're seeing in an instance. The stock market, the oil field, listen, it doesn't matter. We need to remember that the Lord is our provider. The Lord is our deliverer. That's why we can't have false confidence. Amen? The only one that's going to truly deliver this country is going to be the Lord Jesus himself. The only one that's going to truly provide for us is not a business. It's not, and I say this often, and, and and listen, I understand for some of y'all it's hard. Of, it's easier for me to say it than you in this state, but I'm telling you, I always tell people, that name on your check is not your provider. The name on your check that comes in or your your, your whatever is not your, prov- the person that signs that check is not your provider the lord makes uh, the bible makes it clear paul makes it clear when he's talking to the philippians philippians 4:18 he says at the, the moment i have all that i need and more and you got to understand when paul saw about it was like his needs he was a bifocational minister that made tents and went around the world preaching the gospel, making disciples. He was, a, he, he was a, a, an apostle, he was a missionary, he was a church planner, all in one. And if you read through the, the, the New Testament, he says it clearly, I provide for myself. I, have, I mean, in other words, I work for myself. I, I haven't asked for any handouts, anything. He says, listen, I have all that I need and more. So he was saying, look, the Lord is taking care of me, but then this is the encouraging part. In verse 19, he says this, and this same God, our God, our Lord, who takes care of me, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, is our provider. So we got to be careful. we got to remember that it's not a person, a business. Again, it's not the government that is going to ultimately provide. Now listen, let me, let me make it clear. The Lord uses people. So I want to make it clear. I mean, I've never seen money falling from the sky. God will use people. He will use your business. God does provide. But, I, you know, we talking, I was talking to a brother about this the other day. You know, and you all probably heard me talk about this. But God does use people in circumstances. When I used to paint for a living, and uh, I would get these side jobs. I'd work 40 hours a week, sometimes overtime. But I'd get these little side jobs that i do on the side. And the guy I used to work for, uh, he would actually give me side jobs. And I would make better money doing side jobs than I would, uh, you know, working for him. But I always looked at it as that was still the Lord's provision. That was still God providing for me. And I bring it back to the Old Testament. When God promised and provided the promised land to the Israelites, they still had to go out and fight and take the land physically. So I would look at it, Hey, you know what? Sometimes God would just bless me with an extra check from someone, which the Lord still does. But sometimes I'd get this, this side job, not have to might work nights and weekends, but the Lord was still providing. So I understand the Lord uses people. The Lord uses companies and circumstances and situations. But anytime we get blessed or we get a provision, we we got to ultimately know and remember who our provider is and that our confidence, because if any confidence at all has been put in this economy, system, oil field, and whatnot, your confidence has probably already been pretty crushed. Right? So we need to guard ourselves against false confidence. Amen? Don't put your hope, powerful people. Our hope, our true hope is only in the Lord, our God. Which is point two, place your hope only in the Lord. Don't have false confidence in, a, in your person, but put it only in the Lord. Psalm one forty six five says this, but joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. Listen, there are many blessings that come when we place our hope in the Lord. And I want to show you just a couple of them from, from the book of Psalms. The first blessing that he encourages that we have is what he just said, is increased joy. It's increased joy. He said, joyful are those. How many of y'all enjoy having joy? Enjoy? I didn't even know that would come out like that. Joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. You know, you have, you've probably heard this before. Maybe you've heard this before. But there is a big difference between joy and happiness. There's a big difference between joy and happiness. Happiness depends on what is happening. That's, a, that's a, the simplest way that I understood it when somebody told it to me. Happiness depends on what is happening. If you put your hope or confidence in people, more often than not, they will let you down. And when they ain't happening, you ain't happy. When things ain't happening with that person or that party or that system or that company or whatever, things ain't happening the way you want it to be, it, it ain't happening. That's what I learned a long time ago. Y'all have heard me confess this many times. You can't get joy from sports because it's so up and down. When my team's winning, I'm happy. The next week, I'm not. And it's an emotional roller coaster. So you know what? You'll never get joy From sports, it can make you happy. You might be happy for a whole season. Next season comes and not doing as good, you forget everything from the last season. But joy is constant. Even when things aren't going so good, you can still have joy. It says joyful is the man. Joyful is the man or woman, the person who puts their hope totally in the Lord. You know, I begin to think well, I was talking to, to someone this week about that, about about grace. Like what is what does grace look like? Talk about the grace of God. And I think one of the, the, the things about grace is that grace helps you to get through tough situations, like the loss of a loved one. You know, I begin to think about my mom when, when you know, watching her when, when we lost my dad and then my brother passed away. You know, just watching her and seeing that, that and those of y'all, many, probably 90% of y'all in this room know my mom, and that she's always had joy. Yes, she's grieved. Yes, she's cried. Yes, it's been hard. But she's always had the joy of the Lord. The joy in my mom is one of the reasons that I wanted to get saved. Because, again, the whole happiness thing, it was, oh, man, my my happiness tank was way low even, you know, before I got saved. And, you know, just watching her through that. Even even watching, you know, you know, Pastor Kelly. You know, Monday after the the funeral, we went over. Some of us went over to his mom's house just to eat and hang out with them. And typical Pastor Kelly, after, you know, his, dad, his dad's home gone. we in the backyard and he's showing us his dad's flowers and stuff. And that dude had us in stitches. He's telling us all kind of stories about his dad and his grandpa and all kind of stuff. And, man, he's making us laugh. You know, here we are. But, you know, I believe that's the joy of the Lord. We still had a great time and we able to celebrate, you know, uh, uh, Brother uh, Larry's life. But that's the joy of the Lord. That's what grace does. When we place, see, because there's there's a great hope. Let's use Brother Larry as an example. His hope, and he knows, not only is Brother Larry in heaven, but he's going to see his dad again. See, the hope is in the Lord. If all of his hopes would have been just in those doctors, it, it, you know, it wouldn't have been a good thing. I know disappointment that we prayed for God to heal him and whatnot. But you know what? The Bible calls heaven that day our blessed hope. The blessed hope that, you know what, we're going to first and foremost be with Jesus. But then our lost loved ones, you know, uh, I mean our saved lost loved ones, we're going to see them again. We're going to be reunited with them. The reason you can still have joy when you hope in the Lord is because you know that he can be trusted. And we're going to look at that in the last point in a bit. We know that the Lord can be trusted. See, that's the thing. If you put your hope in powerful people, your confidence, you I don't know if you've learned this in life. You can't trust everybody. Have you figured that out yet? I figured that was a rhetorical question, but you can't trust people, especially the powerful people we saw I don't know any of those people personally, so I really can't trust them. I don't care how many TV ads you run. I don't know you. And then a lot of times, you know, people, and I'm not just the politicians. I don't want to get this. This is not a whole political message. And I'm not trying to, you know, I know there's some guys out there that do some good things. So don't make it, I'm not getting into a politician bashing thing. Y'all hear me, right? You know where I'm going. But, you know, at the same time, we know the Lord can be trusted. We know he can be trusted. That's why we can put our hope in him and we can be joyful. Let's look at the second blessing again we put our hope in the Lord. Psalm 147, this is the, uh, the, the next psalm over. Psalm 147, 10 through 11 says this. He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him and who those who put their hope in his unfailing love. The Lord delights in those who fear him and put their hope. And his unfailing love. You know, human achievements fail to impress the Lord, especially the Lord that commands everything. You know, He just we read, the, 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 he's the creator of the heaven, the earth, the seas, and everything in them. The weather, the winds. The Bible talks about how the Lord lays out the path for lightning. You know, he stores up all this. You know, so when we're like, man, I did this and I did that. I'm like, really? The Lord's like, I hung every star and named every one of them. Top that. The Lord's not impressed by human achievement. And I'm not downplaying what we do. God gives us the ability and, and blesses us. And I'm sure, like, we are proud of our children. You know, he's, he's proud of us when we accomplish things, and especially in his name. But you know what? He takes pleasure in those who fear him and put their hope in him. Isn't it, isn't it good to know that it pleases the Lord, that the Lord delights in us when we put our hope in him? You know, Hebrews talks about it's impossible to please God without faith. Well, if you combine that with the Lord delighting in us when we put our hope in him, isn't that awesome? We can please God. We can be a delight to God. We can bring God pleasure when we put our hope in him. That's one of the blessings of putting our hope and our true hope only in the Lord is that we can walk around with joy and we know we're we're delighting. We're we're, we're a delight to him. Isn't that awesome to know that? And so I just want to encourage you as many, many, many other blessings. But that's just a couple of them. And the third thing I want to look at, why we can trust the Lord. How is it that we can put our full hope, how is it that we can put our full trust in the Lord? And it's because he always keeps his promises. The Lord always keeps his promises. Look again, Psalm 146 and verse 6 says this. He made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He keeps every promise Forever, some of y'all need to highlight that, underline that, get that in you. He keeps every promise forever. Isn't it awesome to know this? Isn't this a, this a, an awesome thing that He keeps every promise forever? Do you know how He keeps His promises? Because it's who He is. It's his, it's in His character. His character is to keep. His promises to not renege. You know, some people try to hash up and break up, you know, non believers and that, uh, you know, why is it? Well, God had a second covenant. He already made a covenant. I thought a covenant would never be broken. He made a covenant with Israel. And why is there a second covenant now? You know what? He kept his end of the bargain. It was the people that didn't keep theirs. So the covenant was null involved when they broke their end of it. But God always keeps his promises because it's consistent. With this character. Look at this. I love this scripture. And as I begin to just think about this and read up on this a little bit more, Psalm 138 and verse 2 says this I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, listen to this. This is awesome. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. What is the honor of his name? It's his character. When, when the Bible talks about God's name, it's talking about his character, who he is. You know, every, I, I've, I, I remember reading this a couple years ago and I kind of looked at it. And I might have even talked about it in the youth before. But most of us in here know, and, I, and it made me think about this, most of us in here know that years ago, many, many, many years ago, our U.S. currency used to be backed by gold. Right? You knew that. It was backed by silver and gold, but it was backed by gold. But I began to read up on it a little bit today, and and like, well, okay, if it's not backed by gold, what is it backed by? Nothing but debt. Now, I don't know all the details on that, so don't, you know, you can come up to me after. I just read a little bit. I don't know all the, but I read and I talked to somebody else that went to school and, and, and it was for finance and stuff and confirmed that. Our currency is no longer backed by anything but debt. It's, we, the, the Federal Reserve Lends money to smaller banks and the smaller banks pay them back with interest. And that what is backed by, by debt, by nothing. And, and if you look at it, and again, I don't know all the details, so please don't come chop me up after about all the facts. Um, you can correct me or if I might be a little bit off, but the general consensus is that one of the reasons we are in another, again, a financial bind that we're in is because our currency has no backing because it's backed by debt because we, we, That that There's no more gold to back it. It's not anything else behind it. You see, the Lord's character never changes. Just like it changed from gold to now debt, the Lord's character never changes, and that's why he can back his promises on it. See, human character can change, kind of like the currency. Human character can change. So if we put our hope in powerful people and their character crumbles, guess what? So will our hope. If you put your hope and confidence in a person, and a powerful person, you know what? Human character changes. How many of y'all know that? Sometimes for the good, but sometimes for the bad. And that's the thing about the powerful. Some people go into, like, let's say again, politics for good reasons. They want to make a difference. They want to do better for the community. They want to do different things or whatever. Pick whatever. But when they get in that position and become powerful, it gets to their character and their character change. Same thing, you can see it with athletes and whatnot. How many of y'all have ever heard the saying that you're, you know, like in, in the room of like athletes or, or a talented person, maybe uh, like a singer or entertainer? You know, I love this, this saying. And it says that, you know, your talent can take you where your character can't keep you. We see it all the time. We see professional athletes that, you know, men are blowing it up in high school, college. They go to the pros. They're doing great, but they start getting in trouble. And they're multimillionaires. They're superstars, but they can't stay out of trouble. They keep getting arrested. They have problems. Why? They have character issues. And maybe when they were younger, but when you start getting... And listen, I have no idea what that's like. Glitz and and glamour, fame, and cameras in your face all the time. And day and age of internet and social media, people are always talking about you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. People's character changes. But the Lord can back every promise on his character because it will not, does not change. We can take it... To the bank, sticking with the currency (laughs) illustration. You can take that to the bank. It's cool because some of his promises uh, are listed in the rest of Psalm 146, which I'll begin to just go over those quickly for the last bit of our time. And a lot of these we talked about on Sunday. Pastor Ty talked about this past Sunday with the reason that Jesus came down. Uh, on earth, and the reason he was anointed, as it says in Isaiah, and then again in in Luke chapter 4. But let's look. Let's continue to look down. He always keeps his promises back by the honor of his name. What are some of these things? Let's look at them. In verse 7, Psalm 146, 7, it says that he gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. God is a just God. That's why he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Even sometimes when you think you have maybe been that, you know, uh, misused or abused or whatnot, ultimately, God will take care of it. Maybe not in the time frame, maybe not in the way you see, but you know what? God is a just God. He will take care of it. Then it says he also gives food to the hungry. We just read the scripture in, in, in Philippians 4.19 that says, our God will supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches, right? He is our provider. He does get food for the hungry. Not only physical food, but think about this as spiritual food too. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you hunger for more of God, if you thirst for more of God, thirst for more of the knowledge of the Bible, more of revelation, you know, the Bible says to, to that, that he... Paul prayed that the church would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, you can desire more wisdom and revelation from the Lord, and he'll He'll grant that desire if the motive's right. Just recently as I was reading that, I said, man, it, it just, it finally clicked. Because as a pastor, I'm, I'm we're, you know, I'm, I, I minister a lot. I'm, I'm always studying for sermons. And even in my own personal time, God, give me greater revelation of your word. But he prayed that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him more. If you desire for more revelation of God's word and wisdom and the desire is because, God, I just, I want to know you. And then out of that flows the abundance of helping people and maybe teaching people and, and whatnot. Amen? He's a just God. He will, he, he will give justice to the oppressed and he will provide for us what we need physically, spiritually, emotionally. Amen? The second part of that of verse, in verse 7, it says that the Lord frees the prisoners. Just you remember Sunday, we talked about freedom, right? And he came to set the captives free. John eight thirty six. Jesus said, speaking of himself, so who the son sets free, if the son sets you free, you are truly free. He sets the prisoners free. I'm a living example and testimony of that. That I was in bondage to drugs and alcohol and depression for years and he set me free. And I'm so thankful. I know there's many, many more in here that can say the same thing. Hey, he's true to his promise. He said he would set me free. I got saved. I came down to the altar right there, kept on pursuing him, seeking him, and he miraculously set me free. Verse 8, 146, eight says that the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. We know again that that the Lord can physically open the eyes of, of of people that are blind. We've seen it on mission trips. We've gone on mission trips and and been a part of deaf ears opening and, and blind eyes opening. But again, I love you know. The, more importantly than that is that He opens up people's eyes spiritually. The Bible says that the enemy has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. The Lord opens up when you when truly people truly desire to know the truth of of the Lord. The Lord begins the. the Open their eyes. The truth of the word of God. That those that are searched, I want to encourage you. If you have lost loved ones, pray that. Pray that the Lord would open up their spiritual eyes to see. Because there's a veil there. The Bible talks about there's a veil. And it, it needs to be a supernatural thing that the Lord comes in and lifts the veil, the blinders off of the eyes. I'm telling you, the majority of, 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 of the work of evangelism is prayer. It has to be prayer. You have to pray and intercede. That's why Pastor Todd had these called these prayer meetings for Sunday. We wanted to bathe this this Easter service in prayer that people's eyes would get open and would see. And we saw many people did, made a decision to give their life to Christ. Second part of verse 8 says this, the Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. We talked about this last week. We prayed along the lines of that. Those that are weighed down, the Bible says in Proverbs, worry weighs a person down. It could be anything that weighs you down. If you're willing, as it says in First Peter 5, 7, to give or cast all your worries and cares to the Lord because he cares for you, he will lift you up. He will lift the burden and the weight off of you. This continues to be a theme because I do believe that there are a lot of born-again Christians that walk around weighted down. That walk around with a lot of weights. And listen, it's not always easy. It's a process. It takes a continual casting on Him in prayer, giving it to Him in prayer. But you know what? The Lord promises that He will, excuse me, lift up those that are weighed down. It's, it's, it's hard to live life carrying a bunch of unnecessary weight, right? Those of you that have, that have, that have flown, uh, and, and have been running late to catch an airplane. And you got a bunch of luggage. Isn't it a lot harder to get to that gate when you got all those bags? Right? Or you've, maybe those are, maybe you hike, you've been on a hiking trip, or maybe hunters, and you got all this. Maybe you've been in the military. I, I watched these men. God bless y'all. Thank everyone in here that has served our military. But I, just watching what they carry in the military, I'm like, that would hurt my back, you know? And these guys and they, they girls, they carry this stuff all around. But you know what? That's necessary. They need that when you're on the battlefield. There's a lot of things we carry. and I'm just honing on to this again. This is a mini part two from last week. The Lord wants to lift the weights off of your shoulders. I'm trying to encourage you tonight. You're not meant to live weighed down. Oh, I'm just carrying the burden. You don't, you're not supposed to carry the burden. We do get burdened for people. The Bible does say bear one another burden in a season, maybe like this of mourning. But a continuous lifestyle of being weighed down with worry, with stress, with anxiety That's not how the Lord intended us to live. Amen. He promises that he will lift those weights off of us. The last part of verse 8, 146 and 8 says this. Very simple but very powerful. The the Lord loves the godly. You can also put in there, the Lord loves his children. The Lord loves his children. That's a promise. No matter what you do, the Lord still loves you. Some of y'all need to hear that tonight. Those of y'all that have kids, do you ever, do you kids ever do anything that that makes you not love them? Anything? You you might want to discipline them. You might want to punish them, you know. You might want to body slam them sometimes, right? But you still love them, right? The Lord loves his children. Listen. There's nothing, nothing, because even, again, I just want to remind y'all, even when we were yet sinners, the Bible says that God so loved the world, he sent his son to die for us, and we hadn't done anything yet. Matter of fact, we were doing everything wrong, but yet he still loved us. He said, "You got to know the love. Lord loves the Godly His children." The Amplified says something along the lines is that He loves those that are upright in heart and in right standing with Him. The way that you're right with God is by by not by your behavior, by what you do, and all that. You you're, you're in right standing with God by being in a right relationship with Jesus Christ by accepting Him by faith. The Bible says you're saved by grace through through faith. Accepting the Lord. When you do that, you become a, ch- a child of God. Because again, we're all creations of God, but not everybody's a child of God. The Bible makes that clear. But when we become children of the Lord, he adopts us in. You have a great, he has a great affection that never runs out. He loves us before, but something about, you know, when we become his children, he loves us with an unfailing love. And then it says that the Lord protects the foreigners among us. I'm just gonna hit this one quick. Listen, I understand every time I read this again when I see stuff going on in the news and whatnot, I understand that foreigners, I understand, have to follow our laws and whatnot in the United States. But there's something about the foreigner in a foreign land that the Bible continues to read through the old testament. When Israel was was in the foreign land, the Lord watched over him. So he always commands that listen, you are a foreigner in a foreign land, so when there's foreigners in your land, don't oppress them. Treat them right. So I understand foreigners, immigrants, that we, they have to you know obey by the laws and abide by the laws of the United States of America. But you know what? The Bible says that the Lord is going to watch over them. And he protects them. That's what my Bible says. Did your Bible say that too? Especially when we have the compassion of the Lord. It don't matter if they're a local Cajun boy or girl or they're from overseas. We should have a compassion to love and reach out to every single soul on this earth. Amen? And last but not least, this one's very near and dear to my heart. Verse 9b says this, He cares for the orphans and the widows. Another translation says it like this, The Lord protects foreigners and helps the fatherless and the widow. Again, that, that scripture is very dear to, to my life. As I was sitting there in the celebration of Brother Larry's uh, home going Monday and beginning to think about that, you know, Kelly lost his earth. No, oh, I didn't lose him. I, I heard somebody say recently it was powerful. They said that you know somebody, a man of God, lost his wife. He said, "I didn't lose my wife. When you lose something, you don't know where it's at. We know where she's at, and we know where Brother Larry's at." Amen. So he didn't lose his dad. He knows where his dad's at. But his dad went, went on to be with the Lord, so he didn't have his physical dad. Just as I hadn't had my dad since you know '97. But that scripture, right there, and also Psalm 68:5 takes it even further. Not only does he protects the and helps. Fatherless and the widow, but Psalm 685 says, He is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. So, listen, I'm going to encourage you if you don't have an earthly father and you're sitting in here, or you maybe don't have a relationship, maybe you're a widow in here, you know, it's cool that the Lord not only protects and watches over, but He takes their place. He, he becomes a father to you. I, I have seen this so true in my life. So many times, in so many ways, the Lord has fathered me. And he defends and protects and watches over the widow. Hey, these are all great promises, amen? These are all wonderful promises laid out all in 10 verses. But again, he keeps his promises because they're backed by the honor of his name. So we need to place our trust and our hope only in him, not put our confidence and our hope in powerful people. Not only should we put our hope in the Lord for this life, but also in the life to come. Hebrews 6, 18 and 20 says this, and I'm going to close with the scripture. So God has given both his promise and his oath. We just talked a lot about promises. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Amen? That ties right into what we're saying. He keeps his promises forever because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. The hope that lies before us, speaking of heaven. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Listen to this. Jesus has already gone in there for us. Just as John the Baptist was Jesus' forerunner on earth, Jesus is our forerunner for heaven. Isn't that a blessing? He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Our hope in the Lord for everything we talked about here is great. But we got to make sure we don't put our hope and our trust for salvation in anything but our Lord Jesus Christ. Please stand with me. Let's just go down these real quick. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't mind. Just do a little inventory right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just begin to ask yourself have I put my confidence in people or a person? or maybe a political party or a business or a a, a a stock or a bond or whatever the case may be. You just, the list goes on. Maybe instead of or equally to the Lord. If you've done that, if you just, as I've been speaking tonight, the Lord has been convicting you. I just encourage you to repent tonight. I encourage you to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. and And, and look to the Lord and make the Lord your one, true hope. And whatever the case may be. And I understand, I don't, I don't know what everybody's going through in this place. I have no idea. When I got that phone call today that this precious lady lost her 20-year-old son. He got killed in a car accident. I have no idea. I have four children. And I really cannot wrap my brain around that. But I know that the hope is the same no matter where we're at. No matter where we're going through. I know still the Lord is our one and only true hope. So if you have put your confidence and your hope in someone or something else, I just ask you, I encourage you to repent. ask the Lord to forgive you and begin to look to the Lord. Pray, Lord, I want you to be my one and only hope. I put my confidence, my trust in you, the one whose promises never fail. You can't ever break your promises for they're backed by the honor of your name. Your character will never change. These things in life, people will change. Economies change. Politics Change. Even our relationships change, but the Lord will never change. And let me ask you this. With every head bowed and every eye closed, what is your hope for this next life, for eternity? What have you put your hope in? Are you putting your hope in the amount of times you go to church? Are you putting your hope in the good deeds you have done, that being a good person, That you help a lot of people, that's great. It's awesome to help people. It's awesome to to do good and try to do good. But are you placing your whole eternity on anything other but the saving grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? Paul said, all I know and I preach is Christ and him crucified. Have you put your hope? Do you have a hope first and foremost for eternity, for eternal life? If you're in here tonight, and you say, Brandon, I'm not sure. I, I, I hope that I go to heaven, but I'm not sure. I, I've, I've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of good things. I've been coming to church. I've even reading my Bible and praying, and I don't, I don't drink or smoke no more. And those, and those are all great things, but we can't put our hope in that to get us to heaven. Only Jesus. It made it clear our confident hope is in Jesus. He is our eternal high priest. He made a way by dying on the cross taken our shame, taken our sin taken our punishment being buried being raised again, ascending into heaven and now he sits at the right hand of the father as a forerunner, as a high priest he made the way for us our hope needs to be in Jesus and Jesus alone. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure that I'm ready for eternity. I'm not sure if I'm ready. I've placed my hope in other things, and, 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 and I need to make sure that I'm right with the Lord and I, 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 that I want to spend eternity and go to heaven when I die. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand, and I want to pray for you. If you say, Brandon, that's me. I, I need to make sure I'm right. I see you in the middle, sir. Anyone else? Thank you, sir, for being bold. Anybody else? Anyone else? Say, I want to put my total trust, hope, and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, sir, for being bold. Hey, why don't you pray? If you believe in your heart, the Bible says, sir, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I I just want to encourage you. I want to lead you in a prayer. and, And, brother, we're all going to pray with you. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. But I know that you love me. And I know that you died. For a sinner like me. Lord, I thank you for taking the the, the price. Taking the penalty. Paying the price for my sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. Now, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. To cleanse me. To save me. Lord, I put my hope and I put my trust in you and you alone. Lord, give me the grace. Give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord some glory. Amen. Well, sir, I'd love to meet you after service. Before you leave, if you don't mind coming down here, I'd love to meet you. and Shake your hand. And we've got a, a gift for you. I want to help get you started on this walk. And if you pray that prayer, if you maybe not slipped up your hand, maybe you, maybe you realize that you, you, you've, you've been saved before, given your life to Christ before, but you've maybe started looking to other things uh, just in general. If you want to pray with us about that, pray somebody to pray for you or uh, need anything else, we'll be here at the altar. If not, the Lord bless y'all. Y'all have a wonderful evening. Always enjoy being with y'all. Drive safely.